Sometimes my love, my shadows bite. Trust not how that money fights. Rough touch, so goddamn hard. You can trade away your smooth for scar. You lost Snow White right out the gate. So you stumbled, you tumbled, you fell through fate. Mirror's image came with shame. We accept the dress of wearing chains. Okay, sometimes my shadows bite. Get so dark, we hide from light. Innocence dies, and yet we keep our lives. Leather baby give you my truth The darkness ain't got shits on you Not untouched, not in my view Eyes open wide, I feel your truth Right here, right now, go shine on through Right here, right now, go shine on through Right here, right now, go shine on through Yeah, I see you Welcome to the Truth of Power podcast I'm Curious G On this podcast, we believe in self-censorship Which means we try to practice a little bit respect But we do not censor our language when it comes to things like profanity. And no concept is beyond the bounds of discussion for us. So the question is, how does one speak truth to power? On this podcast, we do it in our art, through our music, in the poetry of our language, or by the comedy that we find in the darkness of days. Art that you find here may offend we are imperfectly human and uncensored. We hope the themes will enlighten the mind as well as entertain. For on the Truth to Power podcast, we wish to build enthusiasm for being connected. Hope you enjoy the show. Love, man. It's all about that love. This is Curious G. We're out of hell, people. Are we? We're on the way to heaven. You feeling a little heavenly today? Oh, I'm as spiritually sound as I'll ever be, baby. <laughs> I got my man, Dirty B, and this is Curious G, back with the Truth to Power podcast. We are entering into the album, Sounds Coming Through the Mask, and the first song on this album is Innocence Kept. It deals with the concept of love. Let me tell you a little bit about this song here, man. You ever had something that you would call unconditional love? Uh, probably, but, uh, I know, I know love with conditions pretty well, but break it down for me. What is unconditional love? Love means never having to say you're sorry. Where it really doesn't, where you really don't feel like you got to possess the person at all. You just literally wish the very best for that person and you literally care for that person. And there's no conditions or expectations attached to the relationship. Okay, yeah, I can jive with that. I mean, I love most everybody. I don't like most everybody, but yeah, I love everybody. Everybody deserves the right to find some happiness and uh, go about their way. You know, do what you will hurt no one. So, uh, yeah, I suppose I can uh, Suppose I can track with that. So I had this friend, Miss um, Amelia. She and I had a friendship for probably a year. And um, she was telling me a story one day about her mother. Her mother's a lot older. Um, like she, she had her late in life is what I'm trying to say. And her mom needs to actually have some care, right? And Amelia's young. And, you know, young people don't always want to take care of their parents or set aside time for other people. And she just said this thing one day. She says, you know, I don't always feel like taking care of my mother, but I believe that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And once I start doing it, my feelings usually kind of come around. That was the gist of what she said. Yeah, yeah. And like, 
I, I knew her past, right? Uh, Miss Amelia, beautiful girl, inside and out, um, had a really dark past. Um, she was actually on the podcast a couple of times and she talked about some of it. So I'm not giving out anything, but when she was young, her, her father had taken off on her mother and her, uh, and her two sisters. And they basically were homeless for some years. And, um, let's just say she saw a lot of darkness in her life, you know, and, uh, for somebody to me that is able to keep some kind of innocence, Right. I found that to be beautiful. Right. There was a part of her that um, it was just there was a goodness to her. You know, I'm not saying that she's an angel and she walks around like just the earth being the good fucking goody two shoes person. Yeah. But I found that she had kept a lot of the innocence that we have when we're when we're young, when we're born, you know, and um, the love that she was practicing for her mother. Um, to me, my heart went out to her. And I kind of, you know, in that moment, kind of loved her as just another human being. And um, I wrote this song basically uh, for her and about her. Um, you know, we were never in what you would call a romantic relationship. Um, we were just too different, you know. Um, we weren't in the same place in life and all that kind of stuff. But I just felt this like, unconditional love for who she was. I just saw her as just this beautiful, beautiful human at that moment. And to be honest with you, for the the time that we've known each other, you know, um, you know, we, uh, we haven't seen each other for a while, but, um, you know, this is, uh, one of the special songs to me, you know, and after all the years that Lynn and I were together, um, there was periods of what I would think is, is that unconditional love. And there was also periods of transactional love, you know, and, um, you know, it ended badly, obviously. Um, but since the end of my marriage, I've made it a point to try to be friends with many as women as I could. And some of them I've had real honest to goodness connections with, um, without feeling the need to try to possess or let's begin, you know, a marriage or anything yeah. crazy. Right. Um, and this was just one of the the beautiful friendships that I've had. Um, so that's kind of this song. Um, have you ever had a relationship like that? I have, I currently do. Ooh. And, uh, not going to deep dive into that one, but, uh, or what, what, part of your story it is at currently but yes uh my life has been pretty focused around transactional love uh with everything from parents love giving love taking away to pretty much i need to be of value and it's what can i do for you what can you do for me symbiotic kind of parasitic relationships but as of recently, it's been pretty cool. And the whole loving people where they're at and just being stoked to have them in your life is, uh, it's a nice change. It, you know, you can get a little lost in the sauce sometimes, or they can get lost in yours and, oh, phrasing there. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a grasp on it yet, but just kind of going with the motions and not loving with closed fists. That's the, uh, that's the big thing that's kept me going. And 
you know, there's still a lot of fucking mistakes to make in that type of love too, but I don't know. It's easier. It's lighter. It's better. It hurts less people. And at the end of the day, I can go to sleep being pretty okay with how I treat myself, how much grace I give myself and how I treat and give grace those people around me because I'm not them and I just love them where they're at. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. And that's a big deal. So, you know, I don't know how much I've talked about this through the course of the podcast and I don't even know um, how much you realize this, but almost every episode that we do is based in some kind of philosophy. Um, I like to lean on other ideas besides my own with the idea that don't believe everything you think, right? Um, So uh, Eric Fromm was somebody that I looked at uh, when I did the research for this episode. Eric Fromm was um, uh, one of the philosophers that came from Germany right as Hitler was rising to power, right? He was part of the Frankfurt School of Thought, which was a group of philosophers that took off, came here to the United States and embedded themselves in Columbia University. But Eric Fromm, he wrote, uh, I think a book called The Art of Loving. And he related love to art. He says that when, when you're a musician, you're always listening to the world around you and you're always listening with the ears of a musician that finds inspiration in the world. When you're a painter, this is the way you see the world, that it's an ever-present state of mind when you're talking about an artist. And he said that love had to be that same kind of thing, that you have to actually be love in order to experience love. And, and the place that you have to be love and where it starts is loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, that's his philosophy. I buy into a lot of what he's talking about. Um, and there's an unconditional type of love that, that we can practice for ourselves. Um, you know, and I think it, it, it plays out in my mind by, by giving ourselves what we need, right? Good water, good air, right? Uh, good food. This is a way that we can show unconditional love to ourselves. And usually if we do that stuff, our body helps us out, right? And gives us some balance and things like that. Um, And that's just where my thinking goes. But um, I wanted to contrast this episode with his philosophy on that, with with the act of being love, always present in that state of mind, with perhaps um, what made hell, hell, right? And and the, the songs that we looked at, it looked at a lot of technology, And it looked at a lot of the state of the world today. Um, And I think a lot of the technology creates narcissism. I think a lot of the social media creates narcissism. I think we have a society that breeds it. So I want to contrast the idea of showing ourselves love and love to others with this idea of narcissists. Highly intelligent is you've witnessed. But malignant narcissists are compelled to prove their superiority. Everything's a seduction. And if they're rejected or things don't go their way, they lose control. Well, you've just given the spoilers to all of your songs and theories on hell is it all just starts with it all just starts from within. Mm. There's the spoilers. You guys can all tune out right now. There's nothing else to learn. Podcast (laughs) over. Good night, everybody. I'm leaving. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm re-involved. All right. You know, it's kind of like that dude that had had this dream that he died and he goes to heaven, right? And the first person he meets is who else but God, right? And he comes right up to him and he wants to tell God, oh, I have been so grateful that you've made me. 
right? And just as he's starting to get up to God, God says, you know, I just want to say, thank you for making me. (laughs) There you go. So if you're confused by all that, sometimes it's the journey and not the point. But, um, you know, I just want to say about narcissism, right? Like, I think that we're becoming not just a nation of narcissists, but in a lot of ways, a world of narcissists. And I think a lot of the times it starts with our our cell phones, right? Because mm-hmm. we get so much information that reinforces what we already believe because these algorithms reinforce it, right? So we can kind of go into a view of the world that kind of is a, a form of self-worship, Um If you think about like what people do for forms of self-worship today, the plastic surgeries, right? The, the tummy tucks, the fake butts, the the everything, right? Your pecker don't work. You can take a pill, right? You, you, you want some hair? You can get some hair. You can buy all this shit these days. You got a hair dealer? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been growing some on my back lately. I I should, I should be a hair slanger. Nothing. I got a problem. But we're becoming a nation of narcissists, right? Where we're we're constantly focused on the superficial personality, the the identity, right? Think about social media. We frame ourselves, the digital self, as perfect, right? But do we love that imperfect self? You know, we've become obsessed with identity, wouldn't you say? Fall thirty, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. 5.30, jazzercise. 6.30, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. 7 o'clock, wrestle with myself. Loathing. I'm booked. Of course, if I bump the loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness. But what would I wear? Yes. I would say yes. Be unabashedly yourself, and who fucking cares what anybody else sees you as, calls you, or whatnot? Let people, it's none of your business what other people think of you. Well, what's interesting about the narcissist, right? And this is some of the points that philosophers have made about the narcissism that exists. Part of our narcissism comes from how much freedom we have. We have the freedom to explore ourselves. We have the freedom to know ourselves, right? Like back in the 70s, the 60s, people were starting to find themselves, right? They were going out on these spiritual journeys. A lot of time with LSD, Hmm. right? Just a bit. I mean, what what did the Beatles say? All you need is love. But I think they were in love with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, right? (laughs) That LSD? Uh. I, I really don't listen to the world's first boy band. Thank you very much. Damn! Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go there. But, but you think about like the society of narcissists, right? Selfies and filters and tattoos and body piercing, body enhancement, plastic surgery, the self-obsession. Now I feel attacked. Why do you got to throw tattoos Well, I'm there? not talking about your fake tits. Uh, these are all natural, baby. And then we're, we're obsessed with personal success. Right. A lot of times we put our careers on these pedestals. Sometimes people work so much that they don't even know who the fuck they are when they're old. Stop it. It hurts. I'm just saying (laughs) career obsessed. And a lot of times our relationships are a collection of networking contacts that we curate through transactional friends and social media on things like LinkedIn. Right. About to walk out the door. I'm just saying, don't be uncomfortable. (laughs) We've got to saying. I'm just saying we've got to take the journey because where are we trying to get? 
Um, here's the question. This is the question. Yeah. Is love possible with a society like ours that seems to cultivate narcissism? Yes, interpersonally and in yourself. Yes, everything else that is to be determined in my eyes. So how do we reconnect ourselves in society that offers so much freedom to please oneself? That's a good goddamn question, isn't it? Did I just stump you? I hope that question was rhetorical because I have nothing for it. Well, I'm hoping that most people ask this question because isn't this like one of the big questions of life is how do we reconnect ourselves to the concept of loving, right? Like Eric, Eric Fromm, this philosopher, he says, unless you can love everyone, you really have never loved anyone. And he was kicking it with Hitler, huh? No. Okay. Uh, he was part of the group that left before Hitler came to power. They, oh. they were part of the, uh, they're called the Frankfurt School of Thought because they were at like Frankfurt University or whatever it was in Germany. Makes sense. And um, Good most, hot dogs over there. most of the uh, people that were part of the group were Jewish. And they said, um, we might want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they kind of read the writing on the wall. Yeah, I read the room a little bit. And- yeah, so they were they were philosophers, but they one of the big focuses that they had was on something that was kind of new at the time, which was the media culture that was was rising up. And um, they came here to the United States, and like I said, embedded themselves in Columbia University, and that they became known as the Frankfurt School of Thought because they had a lot of views on the United States. They had a lot of views on what they called the culture industry. Um, They kind of looked at the propaganda as it was building in Germany pre-Nazis coming to power. And that was what they said, oh shit, we might want to get the fuck out. But then they came here and they started to look at our culture industry. And, And it's interesting the way that they kind of framed it. They said, you know, this is even a more devious form of control, mm. right? You you give people the idea of freedom, but in many ways, through freedom, you've enslaved them. And Eric Fromm, which was one of those guys, he spent a lot of time talking about the philosophy of love, you know? And he said that you need to have a few different things if you're going to have true love for oneself. One of those things, the place it all has to start is humility, which kind of goes directly against narcissism. So I would say humility is one of the ways that we reconnect ourselves in society, not just to ourselves, but to each other. You know, you got to stay right sized. What do you do for humility? Do you practice it? Contrary to popular belief, uh, this stage in my life, I probably have a better grasping grasp on humility than I have since I was, uh, since I was a wee tyke, honestly, um, that's the whole thing about staying right sized. I like to call it is the fact that, <clears throat> pardon me, the big thing for me would definitely be knowing your strengths, learning your weaknesses, learning new strengths, learning new weaknesses, and being honest to yourself first and foremost of those things. And, not dwelling on one over the other, finding a balance within you. In today's political climate, 
or emotional climate. I don't know. My brain's it's a Sunday. No, political is a good a political is a good way to go because if you think about narcissistic hostility today in our politics. I yeah, of course we can go there, and I always have something to say about political shit. But I'm saying more on an interpersonal level these days. One of the big things that just really irks me is this whole toxic masculinity talk. And I don't know where the idea of being masculine and toxic come together. Like being a dude, bro, using like the F word that's not the fuck word uh, and stuff like that. Sure. But when I look at the my version, a true to form of masculinity, that is being a strong, uh, having a strong, able, at least a strong moral compassed male that provides protects for himself and for those around him and anybody that sits there and condemns belittles and shuts down and preys upon you know what they would say the the weaker sex the weaker human that's our job to help eradicate I'm not saying go around and kill him. I'm not saying not. <laughs> oh, but, shit. Hitler's coming to power. Uh, Run. Well, that, and then my narcissism shit stir, fucking turns on. I'm like, well, you know, if I was in control of this world. Oh, this, this is a good place but, for a quote. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So I actually don't know where this quote came from. And I've lost the plot completely. So let's steer us back on. Uh, steer us back on. on so, so Deepak Chopra, Chopra, how do you ever say this? Sure, name? that guy. That dude. Yeah, that fucking dude. That fucking dude. Um, he, he said this, but he didn't say where the quote came from. And I tried to find it, but. Um, he made it up. Let's just say this smart motherfucker. Deepak was repeating some shit that he had heard. And I'm repeating some third person bullshit that I thought was kind of cool for this episode. Um, and this is the, this is the uh, quote, a person with good intentions looks to save the world. Kind of like the idea of the, the road of good intentions leads to hell, right? Yeah. A person with good character looks within to save oneself, right? And I'll give you an example, Right. When the Nazis invaded uh, France, <laughs> you know, they saw what they were doing as um, this is going to be way better. Y'all just need to trust this process. <laughs> right. But they believed it. Mm. They believed it. In, in Nazi Germany. Right. It was the, the rise of eugenics. They thought that they were going to cure things like mental illness low intelligence, physical deformities, homelessness, poverty. They thought they were going to cure all of this. And they thought one of the ways that they would do that is by breeding better humans together. Sounds a little sketchy right now. Yeah. <laughs> but back then, there was a lot of people that thought they were on track. What they didn't realize is they were going to murder a bunch of people that live. <laughs> you know, when the ideas first started, they kind of thought along the lines of over time, we can become better humans, right? But how do you enforce that, right? So that's the idea with a person with good intentions looks to save the world. They were actually going with good intentions and then ended up burning motherfuckers alive, right? The road, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There you go. Right. Um, and then the person with good character doesn't look out into the world to make changes, but looks within oneself, which brings me back to humility. 
right? So humility to me, and I looked up this definition when I was in my 30s, um, it, it said an honest reflection of oneself. So if you think about humility isn't necessarily thinking low of ourselves, it's, it's being honest with ourselves, which takes work, right? To see the good parts about me and to build on that and feel a sense of this is who I am, right? Um, but not think that I'm better than because of that. And then see the, the uh, bad stuff, the stuff I need to work on, right? Um, and over time, not beating myself up with it, but actually work it to like get it back in the right direction, right? This is, this is humility. And this is the act of self-love that Eric Fromm was talking about. So I think humility and one of the places that we practice is with meditation. You know, I think that actually spending some time alone and thinking about ourselves and our lives and what we fucking have done, because if we don't have any time of reflection, it's really hard to be honest with oneself. Wouldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, honestly, this morning was one of the first times I actually got to do that. I had some peace and quiet, didn't have to get to work until a couple hours and had a lot of shit on my mind. And, uh, yeah, about five minutes, uh, just literally trying to center myself and think of nothing else, not think of all of the shenanigans I'm going to go get into and all of the thoughts that would probably put me in prison if I acted on them. Ooh. Just trying to, yeah, don't worry about that. You might uh, want this topic next week. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the spicier the topic, the crazier the Brett. So, uh, yeah, no, it was a really good way to start what was going to be a very, a very emotionally up and down day. But you know what? I started out with meditation, hit my feet, hit the feet at the ground. I had a plan. That plan was... You ever want God to laugh at you? Tell him your fucking plans, man. He was like, oh, bitch, you thought. And my day got steered in a completely different direction. And you know what? I'm not even mad about it. Today's been pretty awesome. So Hell, I like you. You can come over to my house and fuck my sister. I don't really tell him my plans. I tell him my requests. Oh, how does that fucking work for you, bud? Uh, have you seen Selma Hayek in my room yet? Enough said. <laughs> Second verse, I mean, same I as will the first, man. Show you what love means. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing when it comes to love and, and humility and actually spending time reflecting, right? The issue is memory distorts meaning. So does our passion and natural urges, right? Like we can remember the time that we spent with, let's say, Selma Hayek. Right. Let's say me and her just happened to have some conversation. Sure. Right. My memory might kind of distort everything and kind of lean it to a certain narrative of, oh, I think I'm in love with some Selma Hayek. Now, is it because I really know who she is as a person? Fuck no. I don't mm -hmm. know who she is. We've never had a conversation. I've seen her in the movies. I believe I can fall in love with her. The bully is on board. Bet he is. Right? But see, our perception can get distorted by things like the bully, right? How mm. much does sex play into this idea of love? A little bit, depending on what kind of love you're talking about. Well, I Separating think- Separating the two is not always easy. I don't think it should be. I, I think it, really? there, there should be, yeah, I'm not saying you fuck everybody you love, but I'm just oh, saying- well, so of a bitch, back to the drawing board. So <laughs> there's, there's different words for love, right? Like a lot of people like to use the biblical words for love because a lot of it goes back to Latin and Greek and stuff like that, right? So eros, erotic, right? Yeah. That's the, the that's the loving relationship that you might have with a, a husband or wife, 
right? But I'd say that the bully has to be on board to a certain degree, right? Now, do you love everybody in this way? I hope not. <laughs> you know, it'd put a little bit of pressure on me if I was trying to fuck everyone, <laughs> you know, but, but I think that at some point, you know, you, if you're going to be in a romantic love relationship, the bully's got to be on board. Well, clearly, you know, cause if you're not having sex, you're not exploring that relationship in that way. Are you having difficulty sex-wise? Do you not know how to use this? I know how. Have you had sex before? We can't. Why? Our religion. Oh, right, because of God and everything. Hey, listen, that's not going to be a problem because God should be present in the bedroom. Just tell me specifically what I need to do. You need to penetrate deeply and stimulate the clitoris simultaneously. That's what you've got to do. That's what it's about. If you can evolve the anus in that, that's absolute perfection. You're talking about romantic love. That's a type of love. Definitely. It is. And we got family love, which is different, right? So I forget. Does it have to be, though? I, well, in the South. <laughs> Why go down the street when you can go across the hall? Well, when you go, when you go down <laughs> South, <laughs> we have a term called Sorry, kissing cousins. You know, my cousin one time, he's like, man, I've, I slept with my, my second cousin. I said, dude, if it bothers you, why'd you stop? Why don't you stop after the first? <laughs> <laughs> I can't rip off that joke. That was a Larry the Cable Guy motherfucking joke. Oh, there you go. But I always found that motherfucker funny. That. But okay, so you get you get different words for love, right? Family is one of those words. Uh, romantic love or erotic, eros, um, phileo, brotherly love. Wait, fellatio, friendship. Well, it kind of falls I, into the same thing, I, but you just some brotherly you, love. That's you, some, that's some, dude, you got to look at the source. The Greeks, dude, the Greeks were fucked up early Olympics. You know how the Olympics started male orgies kind of, they would oil up naked teen boys and get them to compete. A in little, little, little Greco Roman. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was filthy. Good. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Well, not for me, but I'm just saying for them, right, right, it was a little right. bit of that. In right? other news. But here it is. Got questions right? about you, brother. Friendship, right? The love of a friend, phileo, brotherly love, right? The city of Philadelphia. So not fellatio. Not fellatio. Okay. But um, could be fellatio. But then you got a gotbe. You ever heard of gotbe? Like the shit they make the booze from? No. Well, maybe. Maybe. It could be. Could be the same word. Agape was uh, a word for God's love. And not to get all biblical on y'all motherfuckers, because you know I ain't really about that. But there's a story in the Bible where Jesus comes up to Peter and he asks him, basically, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah. And then Jesus asks him again, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah. I'm going to get down on my knees and start pleasing Jesus. <laughs> and then Jesus asked him again. Motherfucker, do you love me, right? And this time, Peter hesitates, you know? And he's like, Lord, you know I love you, basically. You know, he was like trying to give him like an answer that he would be happy with. But here's the thing. A lot of people don't realize. And he, the, was just, he, he, was, he was deflecting a sexual advance at that point. Well, you might think that a hippie like Jesus had 12 dudes following him around. There might have been some gay love, but I don't think that was the case. You look to the original. I'm just trying to secure my spot in hell, brother. That's cool. <laughs> you look to the original language with which the book was written, and the first two questions was, do you phileo me? Do you have a, do you have a friendship 
<sighs> Calm down. You're not going to get Jesus to blow nobody. Your <laughs> fucking verbiage is screwing with me, bro. Okay, but the, the third time that he asked them, he said, do you got bait me? Which was God's love. Do you have the unconditional love? And this is the thing that, that comes into all the different words that the Greeks use, that Hebrews use, that Latin use for love. We have different words too, like family, friendship, marriage. These are, these are the same type of idea, right? But all of these are subjective views of love, right? You are subjectively looking at love through a marriage, or you are subjectively looking through love through family or friendship. And these are things that are trying to bring us, in my opinion, closer to that idea of God's love, right? And what word would translate into God's love today in English would actually be charity. And that's unconditional love. You don't have to like the person that you're showing charity towards. You don't have to... um, Want to go home with them, right? <laughs> you can just give them unconditionally the thing that they need, right? If they're hungry, feed them. Maybe some people need a man hug. I don't know. I, I, I don't use the term nor engage in the practice today, but there was a term that was colloquially used called charity fuck. Wow. And that tracks with I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here laughing. I'm on my bullshit today, boys and girls. I'm I might be interested in this. Is that a website? Charity fuck. I was really worried for a second. Yeah. A website. Look, okay. <laughs> questions about you. Man. Wait a minute. Is what? this a girl named charity? Huh? I've see, I got in trouble back when I was married. Cause I was giving a bunch of money to charity. And then my wife found out she was a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, he's not. She never found out. What a twist. She did. Why do you think he lives in the States? <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. In all seriousness, right? Mm. This is a question. Is love a verb or a noun? Is it a thing? Or is it an action? Yes. Hmm. Kind of like the kind of like the word fist. Wow. <laughs> I'm not talking about spit fist kind of love. Okay. So love the unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of others is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Is that a noun? Is that something we can actually possess? Right? Like, I love lamp. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I own that lamp. Right. Right? Um it's a verb. It is a verb. It's a verb. Love can be a vice, though, in a sense, you know, representing a, a human moral flaw akin to vanity, right? It can be some self-love that's over the top for the narcissists involved, you right? You know I love me some me. Like a selfish form of love. And it's still love. It's just a distorted version. Mm. Egotism. Yeah. Narcissists. You know, it potentially leads people to being obsessive about the relationship. Right? A codependency, if you will. Ugh. But you need a little humility to get away from that shit, right? You got to see yourself as you are. Otherwise, it's really easy to go down that fucking road. Because I think, you know, when it comes to romantic love, right, that there is some sex that needs to get involved with that, right? Like, everybody that I've married, when I first saw them, I was like, yeah, I'd hit it. <laughs> I'm just saying. If that wasn't a thought, 
right? Chances are we probably wouldn't have had a good sex life. Chances are. Right? There has to be something that brings me to that place of love. And you got to kind of trick a human, right? You do. That's why we get kids. (laughs) (laughs) So we get kids, all of a sudden we look at another human being and there's this unconditional, unselfish love, perhaps for many of us for the first time ever, right? You could divorce a husband. You can divorce a wife. You can, you can leave your friends, right? You can't leave yourself, but you, dude, how do you stop loving your kid? It's probably the closest we get to God's love for me, right? But you got to trick a human. We don't just walk the fuck around with love pouring out of our hearts. It takes work, right? And as a parent, if you don't nurture that relationship, it can also become fucking sick. And if you don't believe me, back up this podcast a few minutes and listen to that part about the South. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But can we have love without first showing love to oneself? Uh, That's a good question. I. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I think these three things have to be involved. Which are? With love. I think intimacy. So that idea of humility. You have to be able to be intimate with another person. Right. You got to be able to share what's really fucking going on. Lower the walls a bit. Right. And be okay with them lowering their walls. Right. Which could be a little bit of passion. Right. There's some kind of empathy that happens when you're listening to your friend. Right? There's some kind of sexual desire that tricks us dudes into listening to them chicks while they talk about their feelings. And all of a sudden, three years down the road, we care. <laughs> <laughs> I must really care. I've been listening to her talk a long time. Right? Yeah. Which brings me to the third thing. Commitment takes work. Ugh. So I think, there, I think passion is involved. I think it has to kind of trick the bully when you're talking about marriage. Right? We feel passion for our kids, right? That's my fucking kid, man. You know what I mean? I'll talk about that motherfucker. That's my kid, right? <laughs> we're at his softball games. We're cheering his little monkey ass on, right? But we got to be able to have that intimate relationship. We got to let them in. I had a dad that never let my ass in. I don't know fucking dick all about my dad. You know what I mean? Right. There was no commitment in that relationship. So I think you need those three things. I think there has to be a little bit of letting the walls down, you know, and some kind of passion, something that drives the building of the relationship into commitment. New question. How many people have you been in love with in your life? Uh, Ugh. <laughs> uh, Did you live in the South? Uh are you from the South? No. no, you're from here. That's right. I'm from Alaska. Eam Claw? Oh, Alaska. <laughs> Eam Claw. I miss that horse. <laughs> well, they have some South, Southern style love over there in Eam Claw. What's up, Eam Claw? But seriously, how many, <laughs> how many people have you fallen in love with for love, like marriage kind of love, like relationship love? Oh, fuck. I'd say probably two and a half. Okay. You're halfway there then. Well, yeah, something like that. There's a study that says that most people fall in love with three people in a lifetime. Now, I suppose 
if you get married when you're 18 and you stay with that fucking person for 52 years, um, you know, you might be want to sneak that shit around. (laughs) (laughs) But in our society, marriages usually don't last a lifetime, right? So I think that's why they say that the average person falls in love three times. You never get over it. Yes, you recover, but you never get over it. And what happened when they all recovered? You know what they all said? They all said, okay. I see, all right. That's how it's gonna be, I can play that way too. So you see that we are all responsible for the cycle of the vicious circle. So you're saying you're afraid? Absolutely. I ain't never get my heart broken again like I did when I was 16. And, and I, I hope that I can fall in love more because I know I've already been in love three times, at least. I'm cool with like falling in love 0.5 more times in my life. That'd be all right with me. That'd be more than enough. So... Ask yourself this question with the last person that you felt you truly love. Yeah. And, and ask yourself this. If I cannot love that person when they are at their worst, do I truly love them or deserve to love them when they are at their best? Now, see, that is one of my core tenets. Uh mm. The one, the one that doesn't leave a little bit of an ick in the in the recesses of my brain when I think about the best. I call her the the best the best ex I ever had. Uh, she's doing absolutely terrific. She knows who she is. If she listens, shout out to you for helping me learn a lot about myself. We were together, and she was with me in a very dark time in my life, and she stuck it out with me. We stuck it out together. We both went through some bullshit, but man. We both came out the other side a lot more fucking competent and she is absolutely thriving in her life at this point. And I, that's what I find out about what I find about love. Like true love is the fact that I don't covet her. I don't want her back. I don't feel like she needs to be in my life to complete me. It's the fact that I hear every once in a while I hear, I hear about her, hear from her. I know she's doing good. And that shit makes my heart sing. Mm. And I am forever grateful for being able to spend the time that I had with her. And just, you know, I don't need to watch her go and watch her flourish. I just last every time I hear a little something, something about how she's doing just makes me smile, man. And I can actually say that and mean it, which feels fucking terrific. So I talk to my ex-wife all the time, several times a week, Lynn, you know, um, she's over there in, in Montreal. Shout out Lynn. Um, yeah, I can say that I, uh, in, in many ways, unconditionally love her. Yeah. Um, you know, we are not together anymore, obviously. It's been a couple of years that we've been um, divorced. Um, but we raised each other's kids. We cared for each other's parents, man. Uh, 18 years. Well, that, it's coming up on uh, 20 years that she's been in my life, right? Um, we haven't been a couple for the last couple. But I, I could say that I unconditionally love her. I no, we will never be together again Yeah, in, in, in any capacity like that. But I tell you, man, um, I know her at her worst and I accepted who she was. And that's what I mean by like, I, I know that I unconditionally loved her. Yeah. Um, my first wife, Maya, um, that was a, a, a delusion, <laughs> a delusion. I am not going to lie to you people. I was eight. Uh, I was 28 years old when I met her. And she had just turned 18 
It was probably not the best decision I had made in my life. Right, right. Let's just say it was during a time in my life that some drugs might have been involved. Allegedly. 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 And she was uh, 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 Scarlett Johansson walking around at 18 years old. And I just Mm. fell in love with some Maya. But Maya, if you don't know what that, that word means, is veiled truth. Yikes. Right? There's an underlying reality there. <laughs> and there's a veil over that truth. And um, this was that relationship. I thought I was in love. Turns out that shit was not unconditional. Right? Um, but I wasn't unconditionally in love with this girl, Robin, back in high school. Dude, she uh, was competing for the Olympics. She took the the national championship here in the United States for Taekwondo. Fellow black belt. Shout out black to black belts belt. out there. She was competing for the Olympics, right? She had two more matches to go to, and then she was going to be in the Olympics. But her mom hated me. Yep. And her mom stopped paying for her training. I know this story. Yeah. And um, to be honest with you, that shit broke my heart. She stopped paying for her training to get her to stop seeing me. So I... as fucked up as I was at the time. And I was fucked up, right? I was 17 years old, I think, at the time. I broke up with her. (laughs) I'm making this motherfucker die. I was fucked up. But I I broke up with her. And I said, you know what? This is not cool, man. You got to keep going for your dream. And um, when I was 18, I was uh, living with another girl. And uh, Robin came back around. And she was persistent, to say the least. Uh, I know how that story goes. And, you know, we had this thing where we'd break up all the time, and it was usually my fault. And then we'd get back together again, because I really did care for her. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And we did get back together, and we stayed together for the first few years after high school. But at 21, her mom offered her, because she knew we were about to get married. We had wedding rings. We're going through pre-marriage counseling at the church, the whole nine yards. Um, had a date set, right? So her mom calls her up and says, listen, if you come out to California, I'll pay for you to go to college, anything that you want to do. I'll put you in an apartment, anywhere you want to live. I'll buy you a new wardrobe and a new car and give you a fresh start in life. And dude, we're fucking 20 and 21 years old at the time, <laughs> working like full-time jobs, driving around a little family car. It was a Dodge Series K car. It was nice, but it was... Yeah. It was not cool. You know what I mean? And and we lived a block from the beach, poor as fuck, young as fuck. You know what I mean? And and we both saw that she had a chance to change her life. Something that I couldn't do, you know? And um, uh, I put her on the bus and said, you need to go. And we were in a relationship up to the point that she left. And to be honest with you, I unconditionally love her to this day. You know, um, so I've known love a couple of times in my life, you know, and I could say that I'm a better person because of it. Um, I didn't always handle that shit well, though. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't always handle it well. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think when it comes to finding a soulmate that the bully's got to be involved. Cause in, in all three of those stories, the bully was the cheering section. He's like, um, Kick the tires. <laughs> Kick the tires. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, in, in all my relationships, the you know, the uh, the dumber of the two of us wasn't always in play because when when the fair sex intrigues me mentally, 
I don't know. There's one of those things that, uh, if it, the other head follows along at that point, but when it, when it comes to the two that, uh, I know I was, I was definitely in love with. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was mind, body, <laughs> body, mm. and soul all coming together and being like, you, you're, 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 that's the direction you're pointing some more, more physically than others. <laughs> the and, bully. Yeah. But you know, it, uh, yeah, I've got, I don't know, even bringing up the, uh, the other one, you know, the old high school sweetheart that, uh, you chased forever, finally got lost, got back again. Everything was perfect. Wedding bells were about to chime. And then all of a sudden it collapses from all fault of yours and theirs. Mm. Then they come back around and you're sitting in the room that right outside that door uh, was the first time I talked to him again after about eight years. And that sent me on another downward spiral trajectory. Was it my fault? Yeah, a lot of it. But uh, yeah, I was going to say at the end of the day, when I take a little, a few more courses in counseling and do a little bit more soul searching, I would like to just say that would turn into just unconditional love because I want to be able to say wherever she is, I hope she's doing terrific. And I can say that right now, but a part of me is like, oh, I at least hope she's missing one meal a day. Well, you know, it's just because I'm bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that. But we I'm need a that scorned. You need that sexual passion. And this is this is part of the thing, right? You need passion, intimacy and commitment. Right. So it can't just be all passion. Very true. And that passion can distort love and make you turn love to lust, lust to love and just blend the two and turn it into a giant shit smoothie that you'll unfortunately drink it with a smile on your face. And memory can distort our opinions. Like oh, I said. shit. Yeah, it was all bad times. It was all good times. Let's focus on those. So one of the th reasons why I'm talking about this is I've looked at a lot of the science when it comes to uh, the way that the brain and body work, right? And most scientists and most neurophysicists are agree, agreeing on this topic of love, that our brains and our bodies are wired, hardwired for things like empathy, cooperation, mm. generosity, and connection, because all of those things has aided the human race in survival. And this is why we're hardwired, right? However, our core defenses are challenged when we deal with love, intimacy, and vulnerability. So when, when we start to challenge those things, especially in this narcissistic society, right, a whole body-mind experience can be complicated. But, but most agree that love is more of that whole body experience than simply a state of mind, right? Like I love lamp. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think the bully should be involved, at least when it comes to the mate we choose, right? Like, I should at least listen to his opinions. Well, yeah. If you're sitting there, you enjoy their conversations, and you love spending time with them. You get between the sheets, and you're just steady pushing rope. I mean, there's a pill for that. but <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you, when you do get a little older, it's sometimes like the old car. You got a crank start. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, as long as it gets running, it might be a diesel, but... Okay, but the ways that we were hurt in previous relationships, like some of that distortion of memory, right? Um, starting from our childhood, they have strong influence on how we perceive the people that we get close to, right? So like, as I'm starting to have 
new relationships today. Maybe I'm going to see some of those relationships through some of those failed relationships from the past. Yep. And unfortunately, frequent and repetitive um, negotiations, kind of in the mind, um, are around one's needs and requires some kind of emotional skills to navigate that shit, some kind of communication skills. And today, most people lack <laughs> communication. Severely, oh my God, dude. Fucking severely. Which is brings us back to that narcissistic <sighs> thing, right? That's a great idea, but it isn't mine. That's how them bitches whine. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying, opinions open up like graves. Words climb in, become them chains. Did you forget I was a rapper, dude? Come huh? on. I'm just saying. <laughs> but the fear that surrounds the loss of what drives our passion, the fear is fucking powerful. Hmm. And the fear separates and this was a big topic that reoccurred through through the process of the album hell right was fear the fear it divides it isolates sometimes it keeps us from looking all together right it's hard to yep. know yourself if you're in fear to look within if you're if you can't be honest you know the art thing how I say every time on this show that art uh, is the place that we come together with these ideas. Yes, I'll give sir. you some art that maybe you like that I love is the whole vampire idea. How does vampires relate to this idea? I don't know. I've always been team Jacob. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the werewolf. One Isn't that, is it, those vampires gay? Huh? Are those vampires gay? Probably. They should be, I think. With the it lipstick they probably wear? Probably would have been a better Holy movie. Holy shit. Well, okay, so vampires, right? Um, in the Dracula story, right? Like, like take that one. Um, you know, this guy's going away to fight for God. His love of fucking country and his love of God and his, you know, the, the woman that he loves, Elizabeth, mm -hmm. kills herself because of a lie, Yep. Right. He blames God and he stabs his sword into the, the fucking statue heart and fucking blood comes out of it. He basically turns his his back on God. Love, period. And he becomes this this creature that has no life. What what is life if not love? Right. He has no life within, but he feeds on life around him to sustain his existence. And yet, like many narcissists, he casts no reflection. He cannot see himself as he is. So if we go back to the idea of humility, humility is an honest reflection of oneself. Vampire can't have that, right? Vampire's dead inside and feeds on everything around him just to sustain his existence. This is narcissism. Hmm. Emotional vampires, they fucking Ooh, exist. They do. They do. I've met a few. I know a few. Dude, I fucked this chick one time. I thought she might have been a vampire. I am not going to lie. I thought if if there was ever a vampire in the world, I thought this could be the one. <laughs> and Did she I, give you a really toothy blowjob? Be honest. Well, it, it, to be honest with you, some of it had to do with some of her body piercings. <laughs> oh, hey. She had a sexiness about her, and she liked vampire-type shit. You ever been with the girl with a bifurcated tongue? Ooh. Put that on your bucket list. That's all I'm saying. I got a big bucket. I put that's, it on the list. That's why there's a list. Exactly. I recommend getting to that one as soon as possible. 
but, but, but I digress. Vampires, right. <laughs> vampires. <laughs> no, I love the, I love the metaphor of vampire in films. Right. Um, and the whole idea that we can't see ourselves in, in the mirror, you know, that we have no life within, right. Or no love. Right. To me, this is narcissism. Mm -hmm. This is where society kind of is today. Um, and I think that, you know, if you get back to this idea of being connected to the mind and the body and seeing ourselves in a humble kind of view, I think it's possible to actually have some love for oneself, like Eric Fromm talked about. And I think if we're able to love ourselves, guess what? We're going to build relationships where people treat us with love. Instead of walking around believing you're being seen as a demigod when people just see you as a monster, and when you look in the mirror, you see nothing. Ooh. Hashtag vampire. <laughs> okay, anytime we fully experience true joy or even feel the, the preciousness of life on an emotional level, we can expect to feel a great amount of sadness because guess what? You can lose that shit, right? Like you get yeah. in that relationship and all of a sudden, oh, here comes the fear. Huh. Separates, isolates, right? It, it will almost always end badly, mm. right? It does, love. <laughs> yeah, right. it fucking does. Unless, of course, you both die at the same time on a roller coaster at a shoddy fair at some local church, most likely one of you is going to go first, is all I'm saying. Theoretically. It's, it's going to end badly. So there's always like the, when you're really in true love, the acceptance of death, right? The, the humble view of our own mortality. And this is one of the things that some of these philosophers say keep us from knowing love is fear, the fear of loss, right? That's why I love Stoic philosophy so much. Mm. <clears throat> Recommend checking it out. So when we fall in love, we not only face the fear of losing our partner, um, we also have this fear of letting some of the stuff that we've kept hidden from the world, perhaps, out. Maybe things that we're afraid to look at. You know, but that's that vulnerability idea again, yeah. right? The intimacy, right? So in order to have love, what would that say? You have to have some intimacy. You have to have some passion. You have to have some commitment, and some humility. Throw in some healthy boundaries there too, because uh, I don't know about you, but one of the things that scares me about that is not losing them so much as losing myself. Would that be part of commitment? The commitment to oneself? That would be, that it would be where you got to figure out where you end and they begin. Mm. And I think that that goes back to a healthy form of humility, right? Like you've got to know some of these things and you know, we, we talked, Rob and I, we talked about at the end of last episode, the difference between the priest and the shaman, right? Like a priest is often doing this outward show, standing up on stage, up at the podium, talking down to the people, right? Putting on this show. A shaman usually is not the person that goes up in front of a crowd of people. The shaman was the person that would go alone into nature, be by oneself to have a spiritual experience. And charge rich white people $20,000 to come and do ketamine with them. Well, that's something that happens, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, marriage, I think, has has had some fear dominate it, right? 
like in our narcissistic society. Marriage has moved away from being a vow of impersonal loyalty to a transitory vow, right? Hmm. Right. It's, it's not Mr. Right and Mrs. Right. It's Mrs. and Mr. Right now. I think a lot of people get into marriages these days and it's more of, I don't know. Let's see how this shit plays out. What is it? Uh, no good marriage ended in divorce is a saying, right? Well, that saying comes from somewhere because a yeah. lot of fucking marriages have ended, right? But what makes a what makes a good marriage? That's a good question because I've never fucking had one. I think commitment. And I think commitment needs courage. You have to have the courage to to be humble yourself. You have to have the courage to be intimate, to let the walls down, let somebody know you. You have to have the commitment to work towards knowing them. But dude, it's hard in this world. It's hard for two people to have that kind of intimacy. You know, it's hard out here for a pimp. Anyway. Dude, great song now. That's all right. I was waiting for the next bar. <laughs> Get some money for the room. When the cash and the Cadillac. Yeah, yeah, that's My song. man. Dude, Hustle and Flow, if you haven't seen it, that might be... Um, love today. <laughs> I'm just saying. It very well might be. Well, I'm just saying. That's it's okay. It's there's transactional love today. But when we really choose to love, what I think that we're making a choice to do is we're choosing to move against fear. We're choosing to move against alienation. We're choosing to move away from separation. The choice of love is the choice to connect and to find ourselves in the other, right? And that's why I said kids trick us, right? We have these kids that are born to us and we see ourselves in them. And all of a sudden we're, we're in a sense loving a part of ourselves, <clears throat> right? But it takes that little bit of trick. Marriages, need some dick tricks to get involved. <laughs> yeah, usually the don't marry. of the penis. I'm just saying, I never married anybody that the bully wasn't interested in first. Right? Like, it, it kind of has to start there in a certain place. Right? The love of our parents, right? Like, Should when, not start with the bully. Well, no, it shouldn't. But I'm saying, like, when, you, when you're born, like, you don't know these people. Right? <laughs> like, you get to know them, and they're the motherfucker that shows up all the time with the food. And goddamn, they put gravy on the biscuits. I think I love you. You're starting to sound like Sigmund Freud, brother. I'm just saying, we get, we get tricked, right? It's friendship we have to come together for a certain thing that we're connected in me and you started working out together yep right we have some other things that connect us but that was where we really started to spend time all male bathhouses if you were curious and i'm just saying i want to let you rub my shoulders but i like spending time with you you know what i'm saying and i appreciated the way you think which is probably why you're here (laughs) (laughs) probably we're gonna go with that but, but getting back to that idea of commitment, right? We need, we need the courage to work. And that's, that's what I think a lot of the things that keep us from doing the work is we're afraid. Got to go to work to get paid, baby. Ooh. So the limbic system, right? Getting back to the body and mind and all that stuff. The limbic system in general underlies our ability to recognize and share emotion is what scientists say, 
right? In other words, it is critical to regulating our capacity for empathy, according to neurophysicists, right? We have to have some kind of empathy to connect emotionally to the, the people in our lives, right? And charity, you got to have some kind of empathy. You got to feel sorry for a motherfucker and give him a sandwich, right? <laughs> We're not just tossing out sandwiches. <laughs> But people are making more and more unrealistic demands on our society. <laughs> and this goes back to the narcissism. We're making more and more unrealistic demands of government to cater to our perceived needs. Right? Perceived needs. What about free love, man? I'm, I'm not talking about the love you don't pay for. I'm talking about free love. <laughs> you know, what? Isn't that the same? No, free love came around, I think, <laughs> with them hippies. Oh, I know. Back in the 60s, the free love. You remember what that was? Charity dick. Charity dick? <laughs> <laughs> Taking a full circle. The term free love has been used to describe a social movement that rejected the concept of marriage, which was seen as a form of a social bondage, right? The free love movement's initial goal was to separate the state from sexual matters such as marriage birth control, and adultery. It claimed that such issues were the concern of the people involved and no one else. Go fuck yourself, marriage, is what, is what the free lovers said, right? Um, but they also gave away for free things like herpes. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. Not, so, re not a recommended Christmas present. So you got to be careful with that free love today. But do you think it's possible to have more relationships than just one? Depending on the person or depending on the style of the relationship, yes. So there's, there's an effect that happens to the body. Our, our, our personal parts can like more than one person, mm. right? The bully has got on board with... <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, back when I was growing up, I grew up in Daytona and spring break... I fell in love every 15 seconds <laughs> and I don't think I was wrong. I mean, I, dude, I fell in love a lot, at least superficially. Fair enough. <laughs> right. I think that's lust, but I mean, who's keeping track? Okay. But here's the thing. And this is what the scientists say. There's effects of love on the body, right? You've talked about this, actually. The euphoria that researchers believe is, is the cycle that plays an important part in the mating behavior is dopamine. You've mm. talked about that yep. rush of dopamine. We need that, right? It's, it's how we get dick tricked or <laughs> vagina tricked. What would be the vagina version of a bully? Is there a name, a bullet? A bullet? <laughs> that, that's the thing they use when the guy can't get the job done, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're talking about the invisible man handle. Yes. That's the, 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 uh, the, the machines that Hitachi makes that are not heavy construction equipment. <laughs> Which brings me to the second thing that the scientists say that is part of the body-mind thing, attachment. Hmm. That, we're not, attachments for those Hitachis. We're not talking about that type of attachment. We're talking about the kind that has security. And oxytocin? Oxytocin? Oxytocin, oxytocin. Yes. yeah. Oxytocin levels are also a surge <laughs> that is the trusted source that begins that um, boosting of feelings, attachment, safety, trust, right? It's the release of oxytocin that can strengthen your bond, right? These are, these are physical things, dopamine, oxytocin, that happen in the fucking brain and body. Yes, I... The limbic system. 
Hmm. Right? But we need that shit. Right? I was invited over to a friend's house recently in the last couple months, days. Hmm. And I was, I wouldn't say dick tricked. Oh, God. But. Free love. Ah, no, it was actually, uh, you know. Paid for? I was not, you know what? I've bought them, I've bought them Starbucks and I've bought them food. So I guess I did pay for it in a way. Oh, Jesus. But they hit the analytical, the analytical mind of me. It was, it was, it was a brain dick trick, I guess. And yeah, it's like, I come on over. I need to watch a movie. You need some, need some oxytocin. Like, nice. Using big words. I like that. That's sexy. Yeah, I'll come over. I didn't leave. Dick tricks, man. Free love. Dick tricks. Oxytocin's awesome, though. It is, dude. We all like it. We're addicted to it. We're addicted to dopamine. We're addicted to this shit. But you know what the worst part about it is? If you're di- if we're addicted to it, what happens when we go cold turkey? What happens when our supply gets cut off? Well, see, this takes that intimacy and commitment, right? Like, we can have passion, and it's okay. We're not bad people, right? I'm not a bad man because my bully's on board, <laughs> I'm right? I'm a bad, bad I boy. might have bad intentions, <laughs> But I got something good to give inside. And I know that because I've been practicing this self-love, right? But there's another thing that the body has. What's that? A willingness to sacrifice. (sighs) I'm feeling personally attacked again. Go on. Partners tend to become more synced up in their minds and bodies, thanks in part to the vagus nerve which begins in your brain and plays a role in everything from your local facial expressions to the rhythm of your heartbeat, which is why when we're having sex, heartbeats align. So our bodies and brains sync up and it creates this willingness to sacrifice ourselves for that fucking person. You spend enough time with somebody with their face in the pillow, you might start to care is all I'm saying. Yeah. From this point forward, the only thing I'm sacrificing for anybody is about two tablespoons of fluid. And then I'm out the fucking door. Free love again, baby. (laughs) But love, particularly love that develops into a committed relationship can have an overall positive impact on health. Right. And this is the last thing that the scientists kind of had to say, right? Some of these benefits include decreased risk of heart disease, right? Lower blood pressure and improved immune health and faster recovery from illness, including a longer lifespan. If we only open the door for love, right? It was a few episodes ago. We talked about touch deprivation when we were in the middle of hell. And we talked about babies that are born that are not well, right? If you touch them, they often will heal. If you don't, they often die. Lack of touch can be fucking fatal. And there is a connection between mind and body, right? And maybe we're dick tricked a little bit. You know, I'm dick tricked. <laughs> I'm just saying, there has to be a little bit of that, that dick love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about gay vampires here. I'm but just I'm just saying we have to buy not, in. We're not talking about gay vampires. No, we, we have to buy in. There has to be some passion that starts things. The body has to be on board. The brain has to be on board. And if you spend enough time with somebody and you actually talk to them and have some of that intimacy stuff and some commitment and work on it, that initial falling in love can build into real love. But I think in our society, it's hard to find with narcissists. Hmm. They're all over the place, man, them vampires. 
Mm. We are motherfucking out of time. Dude. Son of a bitch. So what do you think about this? Is there any parting thoughts that you have on, I don't know, dick tricks, vampire love? What you got, man? If they sparkle in the sunlight, stay the fuck away from them. I'm just stuck on Twilight shit, right? Oh, now. I thought we were talking about Lola. Huh? Lola. L-O-L-A Lola. You don't know that song? I, oh, dude, you need to bring up that song right there when you start talking about the topic of love. Because Dick Tricks, the crying game, <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> mm. A little broke back mountain. All right. I think we've said everything offensive that we possibly can about love. <laughs> I wish I knew how to quit you. We've talked about blowing Jesus and all kinds of things. And I'm sorry for that. I'm not. <laughs> we are imperfectly human on the Truth Power podcast. But in the end, love takes humility, takes fucking work, right? And, and the release of fear to a certain degree. You know, and next week we are going to be continuing this topic, but talking about love from another perspective altogether. And um, I, I want to kind of go in the direction that the song is, Innocence Kept, mm. right? I think we all start in a place of love. And then when you look at a baby, the motherfuckers will smile at you, you know, and they got nothing but love for the world around them. And we're going to look at, not baby love, but that innocence. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. So if you're enjoying the Truth to Power podcast. Um, you might be as fucked up as we are. <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> um, but seriously, share, support. We're just beginning this stroll through heaven. And I promise we won't talk about blowing Jesus anymore. Speak for yourself, sir. Well, not any more than we have. And certainly not any less. There we go. You guys, honest. Be honest. Have a good week. This is Curious G and my man. Yeah, I'm Brett. Have a good night, boys and girls, or morning, whatever the fuck. I don't care. Or don't. Have the day you deserve. We are out. Bye, guys. Kitchen company. Just look at this. Damn, dude, you made all that money off of chicks? I'm telling you, that's just the most genius idea I've ever come up with. A lot of boys would pay to kiss my employees. You didn't think of anything, Butters. Guys have been doing what you're doing for years. You're nothing but a common pimp. A pimp. Huh. Now, speaking about love, I think one of the things that we all need when it comes to love is trust. Do we have much trust? I think back to when I was a kid. I trusted kids. I thought, I can't trust the old people. I don't really think it's my fault. It's because my parents told me, don't talk to strangers. Well, fuck. For a kid, everyone's a stranger. Most of the time, we haven't been alive very long. Plus, you complicate things when parents tell kids, children are to be seen and not heard. Okay, dipshit. Suit yourself. Guess soon enough dad will find out about the fire. Anyway, as a kid, I trusted kids. I think most of us do. At least until we grow up and we find out that you can't. I found out playing a heated game of Candyland. There I was, falling asleep, 
playing with my daughter, Gala. As my eyes shut, she moved Princess Frostine out of the lollipop forest across the board and beyond the gumdrop mountain pass. As my eyes closed, I caught her. Holy shit! I'm being cheated by a three-year-old. That's why to this day I think to myself, never trust kids. Now I'm thinking, should I trust the elderly? I am over 50, and to me that's old. Not elderly, but over the hill. You know when I think that you're officially old? When you want to start fucking old people. In my case, grandmas. Gilfs. Grandmas I'd like to fuck. Or grandpa if that gets your goat. Now, getting back to the matrix elderly secrecy. None of them ever tell any of us what happens to our bodies when we become elderly. Well, some men like to tell us about the prostate exam, you know, just for a laugh. But all the other stuff that happens when the warranty runs out, (laughs) mum's the word. Did you know this? The elderly can still have sex. (laughs) But really, they need to be near a phone. Someone may need to call 911. I think that old sex is very similar to moving into another home when you're old. You can still do it. Usually you do it with the other person that shares all your shit. And both of you could still do the heavy work. But prefer to do it in a timely manner. You need to take breaks often. And if anyone's back goes out, just Lie on the floor until someone says, Oh, how important is it that we finish this tonight? Also, when we get old, sometimes the wives really just want someone else to do it, even if money is involved. Now, if you don't know if I'm talking about moving or sex, I think that really depends on the relationship. Another thing that no one ever explains, doctors could use a DRE during a prostate exam. Now, for dipshits like me that kept taking it in the ass, I'm referring to a digital rectal exam. That's right. They can do it digitally. Weird how my doctor never mentioned this at all. And trust me, if he's got both hands on your shoulder telling you to relax, you might want to turn around. No one ever warned me about 50. So what are the elderly hiding about 70? Did you know this? The people on the planet with the most VD are teenagers and the elderly. (laughs) That's right. They're loaded with it. Like fries in a to-go bag from Five Guys. Chock full. Think about that next time you go to church, Missy. I mean, personally, I get why teens have a lot of VD. Basically, they're uninformed. And 
everyone that wants to talk to them about sex. Either the teens don't trust them or they don't want to listen to them talk about sex. You know, like a creepy priest. But the elderly? Why do they have so much VD? Holy fuck, Knuckles. I envision nursing home orgies. Will I become a player in some retirement home trying to get Mima out of her diaper? <laughs> Why didn't the elderly never warn us? Why? I think it's because they don't want to get caught. The elderly are doing some nefarious shit. Things they never did at 30. Now imagine the sickest fantasy you ever had, but were afraid to try. But now, close to death? Shit. Now, it's now or never, bucko. I picture it going down like this at a nursing home. Everyone, everyone, I need you to pay attention. Please, get some Cialis, take a sniff of cocaine, and a blindfold. Now, Make sure you use them in that order. And if you have a heart condition, do not go into the garden room. At 9.30, we plan to use the glow-in-the-dark body paint, a strobe light, and a box of dildos. If this is your first time here, remember rule number one. We don't talk about fuck club. How's that for the topic of love? Thank you for joining us on the Truth to Power podcast. I hope that we touched on a few things of interest this week. I know there might be a couple little sensitive areas, but I appreciate your patience. Um, next week, we'll be returning to the topic from another angle. We're going to look at innocence and how it's kept in our society. Thank you for joining us. Have a good week. I see you. I see you. Candle soft light warm. Chase dark away from thee. You can face the storms, those phantoms of the sea. As tides rip, drift, torn from shores where mermaids like you sang. That old song called Nevermore. Kept delusions that sting. We all need something real. When we come from, we won't feel. This is your island, a sweet escape. I know you know the deal. My truth, the darkness ain't got shits on you Not under touch, not in my view Eyes open wide, I feel your truth Right here, right now, girl, shine on through Right here, right now, girl, shine on through Right here, right now, girl, shine on through Yeah, I see you I see you I see you